Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. As we celebrate Jesus' resurrection this Easter, we learn that God is a rescuer. Even in times where we feel as though God could have changed our circumstances, we can rest in the fact that he has a greater rescue in mind. Morning. Everybody good? You all excited? Hey, if you're new here, welcome. Very glad you decided to join us for Easter. It's funny, there's a few more people here um, today than... That was weird. That, maybe that was the Lord. A um, few more people here today than last week at this service. And uh, the monsoon last week, a little difficult, plus being Easter. Man, we're glad you guys are here um, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus um, our source of life and uh, the fact that he's taken us who have faith in him from death to life that we don't have to experience um, death, but we experience eternal life with him and fellowship with him even now. Um, how many of you are actually alive um, and are old enough to remember Jessica McClure being re- being saved, right? Being rescued? Yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of hands at this service, be fewer hands at next service, right? At 11 o'clock. But uh, that's what we want to talk about today. We're actually going to be in John chapter 11 uh, doing this uh, actual uh, topic just one week, just for Easter, um, called Rescued. And uh, John chapter 11, we're going to look at a man's life um, by the name of Lazarus and look at how uh, Jesus rescued him and how that applies to us through what Jesus did for us. Um, so you can turn there, John chapter 11. We're going to actually be going through quite a few scriptures today, but we'll survive it, I promise. Um, and just believe it and pray, and as every week, that God does incredible things in our hearts, that God does some awesome stuff in our lives. Um, as we look at this rescue, the great rescue that Jesus provides for us um, as we come to this uh, today. John chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 1. Um, again, just a reminder, if you haven't been through the foundations class, man, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you do that. We want, we want you guys to be a part of that because it lays such a strong foundation for your faith and for your church. So just to throw that in there, quick plug. Um, man, you guys excited? You good? Ready to go? All right, let's do this. John chapter 11, verse 1. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for the opportunity today to be able to open your word, to share life, God, um, in common with each other, God, and to share the life that you've given us through Jesus. Lord, I pray um, that you would do an awesome, incredible work in our hearts today. God, may your word speak to us and bring life to us, God. Um, Lord, I just pray that this would become very clear uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you've rescued us from death and you've given us life in Jesus. Lord, we love you and thank you for who you are. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, this week for us, especially the last 10 days, have been pretty challenging for us. Um, How many of you have experienced, had the joy uh, and the pleasure of experiencing this little 24-hour bug that's been going around? Anybody? Yeah, it's been kind of gone through your household. Well, it started last Thursday, a week ago, um, Thursday, with Dake. He woke up um, throwing up, and uh, so that's always a joy, right? Um, And then on Wednesday morning, this this past Wednesday, um, we go and we get uh, Reed, and we're about to walk out the door, and Reed kind of does the... You know what I mean? And, uh, and throws up. And so we're like, oh, great. So now he's got it. So um, we end up splitting days, like taking, taking care of him that day. Then the next day, um, Susan calls me at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And she's like, hey, I think I've got the stomach virus. I'm headed home. And that brings a whole new level of trouble into the household, right, when mama can't function. That's just a different level of uh-oh, right? And so I'm calling grandparents. I'm calling everybody like, hey, can somebody spend the night with you? Can somebody spend the night with you? Because I don't know if I can pull this off with three kids and no mama like to be there to uh, take care of them because this is big time trouble. And then uh, on Friday uh, morning, Jackson wakes up and we, I hear this, this uh, cry and then I hear, daddy, uh, 
like that. And I'm like, oh gosh. And so Susan's sick, so I go in there and, and it was just nasty, right? I mean, just nasty. And so I, I just bundle up the sheets and I go throw them in the laundry room. And so I, obviously uh, that's four out of five, right? In our family. So I guess whose turn it was yesterday. Yeah, and so um, I didn't get to go out to the, the Easter egg drop and, and uh, be out there with everybody, but thankful for the people who pulled that off. And uh, so yesterday I'm laying there, and it's so amazing to me how you can feel like you're literally dying, right? And so from 12.30 yesterday until like uh, 6 o'clock this morning, like I'm laying in bed, and, and for most of that time I literally felt like, man, I am dying, and so it all ran through our family and, and, and for the whole week, like the thing that was going on with us is we were all sick. Like everybody was sick at some point during the week. And it was one of those weeks you're just like, thank God it's over. And you know, for me as a pastor, like it couldn't have been the worst week of the year, you know, for Easter, but uh, we, we made it here. And, and so I believe God's going to do some awesome stuff, but we come in and, and the thing that I realized, like we were all sick and, and we come to this scripture and we're reading about Lazarus and we realized that the Bible says that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was sick. The Bible says in verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so a man named Lazarus was sick. He was ill. Um, we're going to find out in a little while he was more than sick. He was literally dying. Thank God. You know, we felt like we were dying. But, but, but Lazarus, poor Lazarus, he did die, right? The sickness killed him physically. It killed him. And, and the thing that um, I was thinking about with that is, is that's the one thing we all share in common. My family this week, man, we were all sick. We all felt terrible. We, we, were, we were, um, felt like we were dying. Thank God that didn't happen. But we were, we were struggling, man. We were all involved with this sickness. This thing was running through our family. And here's the thing that I began to think about as I was thinking about how sick we were. And I was thinking about Lazarus's sickness because the one thing that I'd like for us to see right now is that you and I are both, we're, we're all in here together, have this one thing in common, that each of us have been sick because of the same common thing. That's sin. That every one of us in here have experienced sickness and we've even experienced death in the same way that Lazarus had in a spiritual way. And here's the thing that I, I realized today is that with everybody sitting in here, each person here, for most people in here, I don't have to convince you that you sin, right? Is that true? Like, you know you're a sinner, right? Like, you can go, you can, we're not even, most of us aren't even ashamed to go, yes, I have sinned because we know it. Most of you sinned on the way here this morning. With your kids, with your wife, with somebody, somebody pulled out in front of you, somebody ran a red light, almost hit you, you cussed at them, you wouldn't tell us that, but you did. Gave them the fink, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And you might not have known what anybody else could see, but you did it just because you like, that'll make me feel better. And so somebody, all of us, probably even before we got going good this morning, sinned, and we realized that like, this thing plagues us all. This thing, this sin thing, man, it, it's out of control. And it only seems to get worse, doesn't it? Like it seems like all over the world, like we see, it just seems to get worse. And the thing that we have in common here today, the thing that we have in common, whether, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or whether you don't even believe this Jesus thing, listen, the thing we all have in common is sin. We've all sinned. We've all, as the Bible says, fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all come to this place of being on common ground that we're all sick physically sick everybody is dying like this is this is a morbid thought right but everybody's one day closer to death today than they were yesterday 
Happy Easter, go home. (laughs) But isn't it true? Like physically, we're all dying. And here's the reality. Because of sin, each one of us, apart from Christ, is spiritually dead. Why? Because our sin has separated us from the life giver, from our source of life. If you go all the way back to our original parents, Adam and Eve, and I know some people don't really believe that's a literal story. Listen, here's, here's what I believe. The very first the very first line in the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the one reason I believe that there's been so much coming against creation and so much coming against that first line is because of this. If people can get us to doubt the first line in the Bible, then the rest of it becomes suspect. But when you go back and you begin to look at creation and you begin to look at how God created the world and you begin to see that God made it good and he had a good plan and he created people that they could know him that they would be in a relationship with him that they would have righteousness before him and then what happened we saw sin come in and when sin came in what happened we saw death you say Adam and Eve didn't die but they're not alive they did die and not only did they die physically but they also died spiritually they were dead because they've been separated from their life giver their source of life god they were separated sin has brought death to every one of us some of you recognize that some of you know that some of you today maybe don't know christ have never come to this place of having christ in your heart and being given life through jesus know that there are parts of you that are extremely dead that you need to experience the resurrection power of jesus that we celebrate today So we all come to this place where the very first verse, the very first thing we look at brings us all into common ground, that we're all sinners. I'd like to say this to you, like, listen, if you've been in church 50 years, guess what? You're a sinner apart from the grace of Jesus. If you walked in the doors for the first time this morning, then guess what? You're a sinner apart from the grace and life of Jesus. We're all in this common place. No one has the right or the ability to look down their nose at someone else as if they're the only sinner. This is all of humanity that we were all dead in our sins and our transgressions. The Bible goes on in verse 2. It says, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You can go back a couple of chapters and find where Mary had anointed Jesus with this very expensive perfume. It says, so the, Lord sent, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And it's very important because we find out very early on that Jesus loves Lazarus, right? He loves him. The one you love is sick, Lord. And then verse four, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha. There it is again. He loved Martha and her sister and he loved Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Does that seem strange to anyone? Like, yes, I love them. The Bible takes it and says it twice. I love them. I love them. And yet Jesus didn't go, did he? Have you ever been in that place where you're just kind of struggling? You're just maybe in a place where you're like, okay, God, any time now be good, a good time to show up, Lord. And he seemed to just stay two more days. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And he just seemed to stay. And it'll do this to your mind. In your mind, you'll begin to wonder, does he really? 
does he really love me? Does he really care? Does he really give a flip about what I'm going through? Does he truly care? Yet the Bible says he loved them. In one of the verses in verse 4, he says, this is not going to lead to death, but to God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. I want you to understand that in your life and every area of your life and every experience of your life, God has one goal. Even when you wonder, why is God tearing? Why is he taking so long? Where is he at? The one goal of God through Jesus is to reveal himself. The one goal that God has is that through every experience we have, through everything we go through in life, that Jesus would be revealed. And I want to encourage you today that that is God's plan, that God does have a plan. And Jesus didn't show up in the way that they thought he would show up, but God had a plan and God had a greater rescue in mind. The thing I would like to encourage you with today and the thing I would like for you to see today, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're going through, is that God has a greater rescue for us through Christ Jesus. He just does. It's just the truth. And some of you, many of you, most of you have been through situations in your life where you wondered, what is God doing? And it's only in hindsight that you can look back and understand the plans and purposes of God. But the thing I'd like to tell you today is that God does have a plan. God does have a purpose. And his purpose is to reveal to us his son, Jesus, and the forgiveness and the great rescue, the greater rescue that Jesus has provided for us. When I was growing up, um, people would ask me all the time. My mom and dad would be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was always the same. I want to be a major league baseball player. And my mom and dad began to talk to me about college. And, and they're like, Why don't, are you going to go to college? You need to go to college. My dad was like, you're going to college. And I was like, well, can you major in baseball? They were like, what are you going to major in baseball? And they were like, well, you can't major in baseball. Then I ain't going to college. Why would I go to college when it's not going to help me get to where I'm going. And so it's this whole thing of, of, of my whole plan. My whole purpose was I'm going to play Major League Baseball. And I had this great plan and I knew it was going to work out. And, and, and I loved it and I worked hard at it. And guess what? I never played Major League Baseball. Never made it. Like five foot ten, slow, not a very good arm. Like you don't play Major League Baseball, right? And so... My plan failed. My plan didn't work. But you know what? I thank God so much now that my plan didn't work. I thank God that that didn't work out the way I saw it working out. I thank God that he had a greater plan. I thank God that he had a greater rescue for me. I'm still today overwhelmed. When I woke up this morning and I was getting dressed and I was thinking... I still can't understand why God would do what he did for me. And you know you. You know the darkness of your own heart. You know your issues and your struggles. And yet God had this amazing plan to bring you from death to life, to reunite you with him through his son, Jesus. And I look at him like, why God, why would you do that for me? And his plan blows me away when I look at the fact that he had a greater rescue in mind. And we see this as we go through this scripture. God had a greater rescue 
in mind a greater plan for Lazarus' life that would bring glory to God. In verse 7 it says, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short time ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you were going back there. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by, his, by this world's light. If he, when he walks by night, that he, it is when he walks by night that he stumbles. He has no light. After this, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus is trying to clue in the disciples that, that Lazarus is dead. He says, He's fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Jesus is trying to clue him in. Like, Lazarus is dead, guys. We're going to go, and I'm going to wake him up. And, and the funny thing is, it makes me feel a little bit better when I see that the disciples are pretty dense. Like, Jesus was always trying, he was trying to always speak to them and enlighten them. And they were like, we, no, Lord, if he's, asleep, if he's sleeping and he's sick, Lord, you need to let him sleep because he, he needs rest, Lord. And he's like, Lord, the, the He's like, why? He's, you know, he talked to the father all the time. He's ahead to be like, why, 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 why? And I know he does that with me. He's like, why? Why can't you guys get this? Why can't you sit? I've been walking with you this long. I've been healing people. I've been opening their eyes. I've raised people from the dead. And you don't understand this yet. You don't get this. And it's cool to me to look at this and to see that Jesus is telling them and using this simple analogy of he's asleep, I'm going to wake him. Just as if it was that easy to, for him to walk in and say, get up, come alive. Be awake, and just as it would be if we walked in and woke someone who's sleeping. I believe that speaks to the power of Jesus in our situation, in our life, when we've experienced death through sin and we've been separated from God. And Jesus goes, I'm not sweating that. I'm not worried about that because I have a plan and I have a greater rescue. And the good news of the gospel is this, that I can speak life into you and you will come alive. That's awesome. Glad y'all think so. It's good stuff. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly. Finally, Jesus is like, they're not getting this. These hard-headed rascals, they are not getting this. And so then he told them plainly. He finally just spoke it. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus said to, this, said to the rest of his disciples, let us go also go that we may die with him. And you can kind of hear the despair in Thomas's voice right there. I mean, it's not like he's like, let us go that we can die with him. He's like, all right, we might as well go die too. He's like, not triumphal, right? He's like, all right, let's go. He's going in there to be killed. We might as well be killed too. And so here they go. And Jesus tells them plainly, man, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus has died. But this happens so that you may believe. Again, we see Jesus is rolling out this rescue, this greater rescue that would come, this rescue of a dead man who he would bring to life so that others could believe, so that people could see the reality of who Jesus is, that they would recognize God, Jesus, as the ultimate rescuer who would take them from death to life. Listen to this verse in 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. For four days, he had been in the tomb. 
The Jews had this, um, it was more of a superstition, it was somewhat of a belief that after three days, that there was no opportunity for the person to come back to life. They believed that for three days, the spirit of the person would hover around the body. And so as long as the spirit was around the body, there was opportunity for the body to come to life. So Jesus waits four days to the point where there is no hope. And he goes in to show them that I am the God of hope. I'm not dependent upon your superstition. I'm not dependent upon your thoughts. It doesn't matter if you think everything is too far gone. I am the God of life and I can speak life into any situation. The situation that you think is hopeless, when God begins to speak into that situation, you can have hope. It's really been on my heart the last 24 hours to tell you that your struggles, that your issues That your weakness, it doesn't mean that you're beyond the reach of God. It doesn't mean that Christ can't speak life into you. It means that you're human. It means that we're all in the same common place. Our struggles and our weaknesses simply mean that we are human and we need The touch, we need the life of the life giver, Jesus. And what we see as hopeless, he sees as an opportunity to reveal himself as strong in our lives. The Bible says in verse 16, or verse 18, I'm sorry. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. It's very interesting to me that these are the two ladies, if you go back a few chapters and you begin to read about them, that one, Mary was worshiping at Jesus' feet. Martha was going down and she was busy doing all this stuff. And, and Martha gets mad at Mary because Mary wouldn't, wouldn't get up and help her serve. And the two sisters start having a little sibling uh, fight there going on. And, and, and you see that... Jesus speaks to Martha and he says, Martha, you know, there's only one thing that's necessary. Mary's found what is best. And he's basically saying, like, I'm not going to tell her to quit worshiping. But these were two ladies who had sacrificed immensely for Jesus. These were two ladies who had, had served him greatly and two ladies who had worshipped him extravagantly. And we see them coming to this place where on his arrival... Um, they, they find out that he's come. Verse 20 says, Martha heard that Jesus was coming and she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. And you begin to see a little bit about their temperament. You begin to learn a little bit more about Martha and Mary. You begin to see that Mary would probably be a lot like me. She's a little more emotional, probably, probably more, I'm, I'm probably more like a woman, you know, in that regard. She's a little more emotional. She's probably at home pouting a little bit. I could see this very easily in my own life that I'd be like, Jesus, I broke the perfume over your head. I poured out this, this extravagant act of worship and you wouldn't come heal my brother. Or about Martha? Mar- Jesus, I served you all this time. I've done all these things. Why wouldn't you come? Where were you? When I struggled, Lord, where were you? In my weakness, where were you? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you show up? And Martha even says this. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It's like, Jesus, you can still do this. You can still change this situation. 
I'm so thankful today that God didn't give up on me in my situation that I thought was unchangeable. I'm so glad today that in situations I face that I look at it and I'm wondering, is this even changeable, God? Can you even do anything with this in my life? I'm so glad to read and be comforted by the scriptures and be encouraged by the scriptures that Jesus can still change any situation. He can still change my heart. He can still speak life into me because he has a greater rescue in mind for us. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha doesn't understand. She answers, I will, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who was to come into the world and she begins to see this glimpse of hope that Jesus can do something in her life that no one else can do that he can bring life to that which is dead after she had said this she went back and called her sister Mary aside she's like come here Mary I need to talk to you the teacher is here she said and is asking for you when Mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him now Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where Martha and met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think we ask that question so many times. Lord, if you had been here, Lord, where are you? And yet Jesus comes and He has a greater rescue in mind. He has a greater plan for our lives. I wonder how many of us are in this place where maybe Mary found herself. Where she knew Jesus was there, but things hadn't gone exactly the way she had planned. Or maybe she had just never really experienced what we would think of today um, as Jesus' best plan for her life. And I wonder how many of us today would find ourselves there with Mary, wondering what has God been doing all this time? If he's really in control, what has God been doing all this time? And many of us have hardened our hearts and many of us have walked away. And many of us, even though we know Jesus has come and Jesus is trying to initiate a a relationship and we know that God is, is knocking on the door of our hearts, we've hardened our hearts, we've walked away, we've gone away from the Lord. And I wonder how many of us today need to simply hear what Martha said to Mary when she goes to him and she says, the teacher is here, Mary. And then she got up and went to him because she found out that Jesus was asking for her. And in the midst of all our struggles, in the midst of everything we go through, in the midst of this life, we've hardened our hearts, we've gotten away from, from, from who he is. And what we simply need to hear is that Jesus is asking for us. That Jesus hasn't given up on us. That Jesus hasn't abandoned his plan. And that he's calling to us to come to him. Mary once again fell at his feet. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. 
Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. The Bible says that Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he open, he who opened the eyes of the blind could not have kept this man from dying. We come into this place where we look at it and we're like, Jesus is about to do this great miracle. Jesus is about to literally do this, what we call an illustrated sermon. Where he's about to raise a dead man who's been been dead for four days. He's about to bring life into someone who, who is dead. And he's about to demonstrate to us in this, right before he begins his march to Jerusalem to die on a cross, he's about to demonstrate through Lazarus what he's going to do for the world. This great and awesome rescue of his people. To finally unroll the greater rescue, this greater plan that God has for us. And I still ask myself, I said before, why would he do this? And in verses 33 through 36, we begin to see the reason. Because he loves us. He works out this greater plan in our lives, does whatever it takes to try to reveal himself to us. He chases us. He runs after us. And listen, how bizarre is that, that God would run after us? That he would initiate this relationship with us. And we see that the reason he does this is because he loves us. We go to John 3.16 and we read that it was because of love that God gave his one and only son. And we've read that verse and heard that verse and seen people at football games with that verse so much that we tend to move past that verse. But the reality of it is, why did he do it? Why did he work this plan? Why did he have this greater rescue in mind? Because he loves. Can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, God of the universe, weeping over your death? The spiritual death that's come because of our sin desiring that we would come to a place of faith because he is the resurrection, he is the life, that he would speak life into us. He would breathe his life into us. Once again, listen to verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. This whole story, this entire scripture is simply for the fact that God is trying to reveal to us his son, Jesus, who has a greater rescue for us. That they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I read this and I wonder how many times Jesus has tried to get our attention. He's tried to reveal his plan. And yet we've been so stubborn. We haven't seen it. 
He's tried to inject hope into our lives, no matter what circumstance we're going through, no matter what our family's looking like, what our marriage is looking like, what our addiction's looking like, all of these things, no matter how crazy our teenagers are acting, no matter how crazy our kids are acting, no matter how sickness has affected our family, Jesus is trying to say, listen, I have a greater rescue. If you'll believe in me, if you'll trust in me, not everything's going to go according to your plan, but I have a greater plan. And he said, come out, come into life. And Lazarus walks out of this tomb, a dead man come to life you know people were freaking out and we read it and we're like oh that's so awesome you know they were flipping out i'd have probably ran and if i'm jesus like i'm just i'm spiking whatever i can pick i'm just spiking my my we didn't have a bible but i'd spike something and i'm like bam i did that and he comes out and here's the thing. He, he looks at him and he's like, listen, listen, take off the grave clothes. Unbind him. He's alive. See, here's the awesome thing about Jesus in this greater rescue. Not only does he come and breathe life, but he also says, take off the grave clothes. Unbind him. Set him free. He's no longer bound by sin and death. He's speaking to you today saying, my child, you're no longer bound by sin and death. If you're in Christ, you've been set free. I've set you free. And if I've set you free, then you're free indeed. Now live. And many of us are in this process of God bringing us and and he gives us this this life. But many of us are in a process of God working out these things in our life. And sometimes we just need permission as Christians to be able to say, you know what? I'm in process. God is making me alive. He gave me life in Jesus. Sometimes we feel so guilty as Christians because we have these issues. And the promise of Jesus is this. Not that that you're going to be perfect after you come to Christ, but that his life is going to be very real in you. And he takes you through this process and he begins to put you on this path and he sets your feet upon a firm foundation so that you can stand. So that when the winds and the waves and and this, this storm of life begins to hit, you don't have to fear because you're held by the one who is greater than any circumstance we come in contact with. In the difficulties of life, in the challenges I've seen, in the challenges I've been through, the one thing I can tell you is this, I approach them differently. Because I know that I'm in the hands of an eternal God. He's got a greater rescue in mind. When I focus on Him and I know Him, I know that I'm going to come out on the other side. Jesus has spoken into my life. He's spoken into the lives of those who put their faith in Him and brought them to a place where they come to life. He removes the grave clothes. Grave clothes are for dead people, not for those who are living. And if you're in Christ... He's made you alive. God's got a greater rescue for us. We, we talk about this and we look at this and we, we hear about this. But I want you to know today that this still happens. I was watching the History Channel yesterday while I was laying in bed. And they, of course, at Easter, they run all this stuff about Jesus. And it was mostly about, is Jesus real? Is he, did he live? Did he do this? And yet, the funny thing about it is, like, I don't need the History Channel to tell me if he's alive. I know he's alive. I know because he's in me. Like he's changed my heart. He's alive in me. So that you can put the smartest man on TV to try to tell me why this couldn't be true. But I don't need to hear that because I already know the answer because I know what's in my heart. 
I know that God has performed a greater rescue in my life. And no one can take that away. No one can change that. Because God has done something in me. He's rescued me. But not just me. Other people. This place is full of people right now who've been rescued by the power of Jesus. They've experienced the greater rescue of Christ. There's one person day in particular that we want to show you this quick video of how God has rescued them and brought them to life. Check out this video. My job as a rescuer has been to rescue people from impossible situations. Um, as a fire medic, you know, we always have a plan of an initial plan that we have before we get on scene. After 40 years of, of raising hell, literally, I never realized that God had a plan to rescue me. You know, I was baptized when I was 12 years old. Um, I feel like that I was baptized, though, for not the right reason. You know, it was a Sunday morning at church, and there was our whole Sunday school class. We were sitting together, and I think the first two people got up and went down front to, to get baptized and the next thing I know I think I was probably the second to the last one sitting on the seat and I was like well you know if all my friends are going to go I might as well get up and go myself so I, I was baptized when I was 12 but I didn't it wasn't from my heart it was just pretty much for a show I fell out of college I came home and joined the State Floor Fire Department as a volunteer at that time and I went to work with our family business here in town State Floor Floor Covering about this time in my life, I was around 20 years old and, and met a girl, and I began to experiment with drugs. One Thursday night, we got into an argument, and I broke up with her. Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call about 5.30 in the afternoon, and she told me she loved me, and that was it. phone conversation was over. Um, that night, she went home and wrote a suicide note saying that she didn't want to continue to live without me but at the same time she didn't want to continue to live and watch drugs kill me um, I received a, a phone call not too long after that and she had taken her own life um, in July of the same year um, I was out at the bar drinking with some friends uh, got in my Bronco by myself and I left uh, on the way home uh, I hit a telephone pole and I flipped three times. Um, I was ejected out the back glass of my, of my truck and uh, the truck landed three feet from my head. You know, the next couple of years, my, my drug use continued to progressively get worse and worse. But the, the weird thing was that, that God was always there. He continued to reveal himself to me in, in so many ways. I got married, um, which was, to me, I guess another chance for me to uh, realize what was important and what wasn't, you know. Um, I've, I've dealt with guilt from suicide, was really my first guilty thing that I've had to deal with all my life. I guess the second thing that I dealt with was knowing the night that my little girl was born that I was in the waiting room using cocaine. Um, I went through a divorce. I met another girl, so, so like for the longest time it was drugs and girls. So we um, left a party one night, 
my girlfriend was driving my truck. Uh, ran off the road and flipped three times again. Um, she was ejected out of the vehicle. I stayed in the vehicle the whole time. And once I came to, we were up, I was upside down looking out the front window. Uh, not a scratch on me, just like the first wreck. You know, you, you flip three times in a vehicle, no seatbelt on a paved road, and you don't have a scratch on you. Uh, once again, God was there for me. Uh, he revealed his presence to me. He was my shield. He was my protector. God rescued me. In 2006, I met, I considered the love of my life, uh, my wife, Chrissy. You know, I knew at this point in my life that, that I had to stop drugs. And she told me one night sitting on the couch, she said, I'm not gonna be here if you're gonna do drugs. And for the first time, I actually listened. The single most life-changing experience that I've had in the 40 years of my life took place Valentine's Day 2013. You know, it was just a normal day. You know, Pager goes off, EMS and rescue, stand out for Paige. They said, we've got a 52-year-old man trapped in a grain bin and soybeans almost totally submerged. We climbed up top here and we opened up the hatch and looked down in there and in, in the middle of this grain bin, grain probably 30 feet up, in the middle of the grain bin down in a hole, there was a guy trapped. And after about four hours, we started to make little small holes in the side of the grain bin. Well, when you make the holes, it started caving the beans in, so they were all draining out. So you'd have a, a, a valley of beans up high draining down to a hole. One of our rescuers, Daryl, go down into the hole to get a piece of equipment. Well, somebody happened to step off the ladder onto the beans. It was more like an avalanche. Daryl went from his ankles to his neck in probably 10 seconds. It actually pushed his pen and cigars out of the top of his pocket. So I can see the fear in, in, in Daryl's eyes. I was scared that he was going to die. He was scared he was going to die. And he could see me. He could see the fear in my eyes. So he didn't say a word to me. I grabbed the ladder. I leaned over. I grabbed Daryl's arm. And I told Daryl, I said, hold on to me and don't let go. As, as ironic as it was, that's what God has always done for me. He reached down in the hole, as bad as I got, he's never left me, he's always been by my side. He reached out from the heaven above, had his hand, and he held on to me. And he said, I'm not gonna let you go. They made a big cut in the side and they brought Daryl and David both out. They got him in the back of the ambulance and I walked over, you know, everybody was clapping and cheering and bringing them out. You know, it's kind of like something you see on TV on the news. Well. We wore the news that day, it was just weird. You know, I had plenty of time in this grain bin to reflect, and for the first time in my life, I'd actually prayed on a scene. I had prayed numerous times in here. Once again, I, I had to trust in God to take care of me, because a lot of times as a rescuer, you get tunnel vision. You don't, you, you know, you look at everything around you, and you have to, to be aware of your surroundings, but, you take for granted that you've gone home every other time before, so sure, you're gonna go home today. The Sunday after the, the extrication here in the grain bin, um, I went to 
went to Connection, which I had been going now for, you know, close to a year. And um, I finally felt God's presence in my heart. And that's what I had missed all these years. And, you know, I can remember Brandon, you know, wanting to have a show of hands of who wanted to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I did that day. And it was for the first time that it's not like when I was 12. It was from my heart. You know, I'm not telling y'all these stories to for y'all to get the whole shock value of uh, what I've seen and, and what I've gone through. Um, I'm telling you this because this is my story. It's uh, It was my rescue. You know, I've been rescuing people for 20 years. And little did I know that I was going to have to be rescued one day. And, um, and I didn't know that it was going to be God to rescue me. But he did. He did for me what I've been doing for the last 20 years. He did it for me. Thank God that he is a God who rescues. Amen. Thank God that when uh, we had given up on ourselves, God hadn't given up on us. When we were going our own way, doing our own thing, that God, he still stuck out his hand. I mean, think about it. I, I was thinking about the, the way that this, this rescue with Tyler and this grain bin went down and, and how God rescues us and how awesome it is to see like the parallels that, that Tyler didn't have to do that, right? He didn't have to get his hands dirty. But he chose to. He saw it as his purpose, his plan, his desire to save, to rescue. Jesus didn't have to descend to heaven. Tyler didn't have to go into the grain bin. Jesus didn't have to come here. He didn't have to do it. But he wanted to. Why? Because he loves us. He didn't have to come and rescue us. But he did. What an awesome God. He rescues us. Who are we to be rescued? Sick people. Ravaged by sin. And yet God comes and rescues us. He sticks out his hand to lift us up. How messed up would it have been if Tyler had put his foot on the guy's head and tried to shove him under? But so many of us have this view that that's God's desire. To kick us while we're down, while we're helpless, to kick us. And God's heart and his desire is to lift us up. That happens when we come to the realization of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done that he has come to rescue us, when we hear him calling for us to come out, to come out to life, to forgiveness, to redemption, to mercy, to grace, to righteousness, to life that we can't have apart from him. 
just wonder today how many of us have come to that place where Tyler finally got to realize that God is there. God is working in our heart. And that we need to take that step and grab hold of him. That he's extended his hand. And he's calling us to take hold of it. To trust him, to put our confidence in him. he could do a great rescue in us I'm going to pray and as I pray this is what I want to ask and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of boldness I want to ask if you don't know him you've never taken his hand and trusted in him for salvation and for a great rescue but today you want to do that you want to know him but as I pray I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up I want to see your hand and then we're going to pray for you we're going to ask you to go and pray for somebody else or pray with somebody else and let them help you take your next steps in faith. But as I pray, you know that the Lord has spoken to your heart. He's drawing you to himself. You know you need this rescue that only Jesus can provide. As I pray, will you stand to your feet or just stick up your hand, just stick up your hand and we'll celebrate with you life through Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, I pray for those who would today take a bold step and raise up their hands, Lord. God, I pray that, Lord, you would do a great work in their hearts right now, that they would sense you drawing them to you, Lord, and that they would have courage. Lord Jesus, that they would know that you've called them out to life. They see the greatness of this rescue. We love you and we thank you for who you are, God. We pray you'll do an awesome work in us, that you can do a great work through us. Lord, speak to those here today who need you, who need your rescue. In Jesus' name, amen.